Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise be to the great Yah of Shamayim. Welcome this morning to Love Live, Rock Remnant Reality Radio. This is Rev Rock, and I'm a Yajay for Yahweh, talking to you from the woods outside of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Getting ready for the Life Fest, Love Fest that we're going to be going to serve the people with love. There's no greater privilege, no greater honor in this life that you could ever do than to love your neighbor as yourself. Next to, of course, loving your creator, Abba Yah, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, you have got to have those two things in place. That's what you were created for. If you're wondering, why am I here? What's what's life all about? What is this life supposed to entail? What is it supposed to be? Well, the answer is quite simple. You were made to love. There is no greater thing that you can ever do than to learn to love and then do it. Be it, walk in it, and don't let anyone ever stop you from loving. You know, I saw it a long time ago, that phrase that has stuck with me for all these years, and that is, you don't have to love me, but you can't stop me from loving you. No matter what, if someone chooses to be your enemy, if they want to go ahead and come against you, if they want to try to tear your life down, bring you down, you do not have to participate. Life's a choice. You are where you are because of the choices you've made in your life. For some people, that's exciting. Others, it's depressing. You are where you are because of the choices you made in your life, but you will be in your future where you will be because of the choices you make in your life. Choose love. That's my word of the day. We have been teaching on the love cove. We have been putting it out there that there's no greater, no more important thing that you can ever do 
than to walk in a covenant with the creator of the universe, and his name is Yah. He is the Yah of the Hallelujah. Hallelujah is one of the most significant Hebrew words ever spoken. It's sung in the song Hallelujah. It's in the Shrek movie uh, from that song Hallelujah. And, you know, it's been resung and resung and resung by more people out there on American Idol and he's or America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, you name it, everywhere you go out there, people are always selecting to sing the song, Hallelujah, which is a Hebrew word, not an English word. doesn't have a J in it, by the way. There is no J in Hebrew. There's no J in German. There's no J. It's not Hallelujah. His name's not Jah, and it sure ain't Jesus, and it sure ain't Jehovah. It's Yah. His name is Yah. And hallelujah means highest praise to Yah. So we honor the Yah of the hallelujah. You don't have to say God anymore. Get God out of your mouth and put his real name in there. It's Yah. What are you messing around with this God thing for? His name never was God, never will be God. That's a man-made doctrine. It's part of religion, and you don't want to be any part of religion. That's our number one thing we want to tell you right now. You are not on a religious broadcast. This is not a religious broadcast. This is a love broadcast. And we are here to be able to teach you how to love. Most people think they understand love only to find out as they go through life they really never understood it in the first place. Most people think they love people. They think they love a wife. They think they love a girlfriend. They think they love their children. They really don't even understand love. That's a sad story. It's why the world is so screwed up, to be quite frank with you. If everybody loved their neighbor as themselves, we would be living in utopia. This would be the most incredible place to be. There would be, it would be Shamaim. It would be on earth as it is in Shamaim, which means heavens, by the way, if you don't know that Hebrew word. It would be like living in the heavens. And, you know, we're supposed to live that way. When we pray, we're supposed to say that we want to live on earth as it is in heaven. And heaven is never singular. That's why we like to use Shamayim to remind us that there's more than one heaven, the heavens. So we're supposed to live life on earth as it is in the heavens. What an incredible privilege to have that kind of a game plan, right? To be able to walk forth with a game plan to love. My, my game plan today, what, what are you going to do today? I'm going to love today. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn about this love cove. What is a love covenant? Because that is the covenant that you have with the heavens. That's the covenant you have with Yah, the Yah of the hallelujah. You are supposed to be in a love covenant. 
And we've been teaching on that love covenant uh, for quite some time now, uh, probably over a week, maybe two, going on two weeks maybe. we got a bunch of messages coming together, and I actually started this long before this recent series, and we've been going in and out of it for several months. It's an endless topic. It's an endless subject. We went into communication, what is uh, good communication, what is corrupt communication. And because we're not supposed to have any corrupt communication. Did you know that? You're not supposed to be in any kind of corrupt communication with your neighbor. You can't love your neighbor and be in a love cove. if you have a corrupt form of communication by which you are bringing forth your life and presenting yourself to others. The only way this thing works is if you have a healthy communication. Life works when you have healthy love communication. It's the way to be. It's the way to go. So learning to love, that's where really we all are. You know, why did people go to Sunday school? You know, when they were little kids, I've been going to Sunday school since I was three years old, and I'm 57 today. So that means I've been in this faith or a form of it when I was part of that religion, right? I've been in this faith of trusting this Yah of the hallelujah, because we used to sing songs of hallelujah when I was a little kid, too, you know, besides kumbaya. Kumbaya. Isn't that interesting? Uh, uh, children's song is teaching ya right away. And it's an Indian term. So the American Indians, you know, they came over from the flood. They knew how to build boats, obviously. So by that point, they said, ah, we're out of here. We're going to start start fresh. And they cruised over here, you know, and started fresh. And you can find stuff about Yisrael and caves and all over the place on the, on the rocks over here. Yeah. It's all, it's all about the Ibrahi or the Hebrew to be able to trace back the factual reality that this Aviyah has been working real hard to have a relationship with us for a long time as human beings. It started in the garden. It always goes back to the garden, back to the garden, back to the garden. And if we look at the garden experience, why were we created in the first place? What was Adam or Adam, what was his objective you know what was yah's objective in creating this man and do you understand the only reason yah created us was because he wanted relationship he was pretty ticked off i would say at the fallen you know those that that came against him that were the the malachim which, you know, they call angels, you know, in uh, in uh, Christianity. They kind of shove this angel term out there. Well, angel is not really good because if you really understand the Nephilim, which were those that 
were the fallen that had sex with human beings. They plotted to do it. And when they did that, we had giants all over the place, giant human beings, big human beings. They were half man, right? But they were half Moloch. They were half ministering spirit of light, but they weren't light anymore. They were dark because they got kicked out of Shamaim. They had a fight. There was a war in Shamaim. There was a war in the heavens. And Yah said, get out of here. And the friendship got damaged. The love cove with the Malachim got damaged. Now, he didn't divorce all of them. There was about two-thirds of them that stayed loyal and faithful friends. But he wanted to create something different when he created Adam. Adam was created to be an alternative relationship that he could have that Yah could have instead of having to have these relationships with the Malachim. He wanted a different kind of relationship. One that was based on love, but one that was still free will that they could choose to love him or not love him. We all have a choice. It's never a fact it's never a situation where he doesn't love you. He always loves you because he is love. Abba Yah is love. And his love is steadfast, it's constant, it's true. It doesn't stop for anything. It's only us in the free will choice to choose not to love him. It's never him that leaves us or forsakes us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He never leaves. He is steadfast in this relationship. He is steady, Eddie. He's the best husband that a wife could ever hope for. He's the most committed, most solid, most powerful person to be in covenant with. He's not really a person. But we are made in his image. So figure that one out for yourself. We're like him, but not when we're born in sin, and we all are because of what happened in the garden, which separated the love relationship at an even farther level once original sin had been birthed. And the one who came to birth that original sin, his name was God. Isn't that interesting? God Reel slithers in as a serpent into the garden to tempt Eve. Find it in Enoch, Hanach, the first book ever written. The one that they've tried to hide from us throughout our life. Religious people took one of the most important books out of our hands. The Protestants, not the Catholics. The Catholics actually had that book in, believe it or not. It was the Protestants that decided that that book just didn't need to be in there. So they've hidden 
truths from, from us, which has hampered our ability, our ability, to love. What you'll notice when I share is I share my own form of what I call Yanglish. Because Yah, the Yah of the Hallelujah, who is love, who we've been talking about here, and our relationship with him, he needed to communicate with us. So there was a language that he created, a perfect language, by the way, which was Ibrahi, which we've even translated the name of the perfect language. We've translated it into the word Hebrew. <laughs> so Hebrew, as translated, really is Ibrahi. And if you talk about the people, the Hebrews, with the plural, Hebrews, then there's always that yim at the end, Ibrahim. The Ibrahim people, some say Abraim, which is, sounds very much like Abraham, right? So that might be a better way of pronouncing it. But the point is, our Yanglish is so that I can communicate with you at a deeper level of truth by using the perfect language and intertwining it in the pagan language called English. Because this language that we speak is very corrupted. So if we're going to speak about a love cove and we're going to talk about corrupt communication, we've got to point out the fact that God and his gods and goddesses have really tried to intertwine themselves within our very language to be able to deceive us and take us farther from the truth rather than closer to the truth. And it is our responsibility to study, to show ourselves approved, workmen unto Yabba Yah. We are supposed to do that. We have to be approved by him because he is going to lovingly kindly, gently judge us all through our walk and everything we do will be put into the Lamb's Book of Life. There will be an account for everything you think, say, and do. And ultimately, he wants you to live forever with him and that's why you're on this line. He wants you to have everlasting life. He loves you. He's been reaching out to you in all kinds of ways from the time you were birthed. And even before you were birthed in your mother's womb, he has had you in his sights to be able to connect with you because he loves you, because he is love. First Yahuchanan, First John 4, 8. Look it up. Now, you're, if you're using some Christian Bible, which Bible, by the way, is a pagan term, then you're going to see God loved. Well, no, that's, that's the whole twist. That's the twisted part of the story is he put his name in there where it's supposed to say Yahweh. He's a deceiver. 
where it's supposed to say Yahweh or Yah, or where it's supposed to say Yeshua, he put in there his counterfeit, his man-made antichrist, Jesus. And it's really, once you look at it from this perspective, the whole, the whole story makes so much more sense. But, of course, that's not the narrative that you hear in religion. Christianity doesn't teach that. Even the Jewish Orthodox people call him God. They've been deceived. They don't call him Yahweh. There are Messianics that are crossing over that believe in Yeshua, and they will call him Yahweh. They'll sing to Yahweh. Not all of them. Some of them just go ahead and sing to Adonai. If you look in a Strong's Concordance, what are you going to see? You're going to see us, you know, to be thinking that Adonai means Lord, but you're also going to see that Yahweh means Lord. Again, translating a name, you don't translate names. Names are names. Whatever your mom called you, if your name is George, and I have a friend named George who does international travel, who does international ministry, it doesn't matter if he's in Nigeria, Liberia, or if he's in London, England, or if he's here in the United States. It doesn't matter where he goes, Germany or wherever. 135 countries we're in ministry together in. He goes to all of them. He's, he's the international evangelist, the international missionary. And wherever he goes, he's George. They never try to translate the name George into their language. They don't do that. That's ridiculous. They call him George. Why? Because he says, hi, my name's George. What's yours? And if they say that their name is, is Abunti or Agundai or whatever in that language, they had a name that was given by, you know, their parents, then Abute it is. That is what we have a friend from Kenya, a missionary. He came and he traveled with me across the United States. And his name is Abute here in the United States, just like it's Abute in Kenya, Africa. It does not matter where you go. You don't translate names. It's ridiculous that you would ever think that the Mashiach's name, the Messiah's name, the only name under Shamayim whereby we are saved according to scripture, that that name would be translated? Ridiculous. His name is Yeshua. The only variation that there would be is whether it's ancient Hebrew, it's Yahusha. If it's the in-between Hebrew, it's Yahushua. And if it's the Aramaic from 2,000 years ago, which is the language that they spoke, which is a very ancient form of Hebrew, then it's Yeshua. So Yahusha, Yahushua, Yeshua doesn't matter. That's that's synonymous with each other. But Jesus is not because the Greeks changed his name. So you either love him for who he is and who he says he is because he is who he says he is and he is love, which the Hebrew word at the highest form, because there's 11 of them, the highest form is Ahaba. So if you hear us talk about Ahaba, it's the highest form of love that there is. And it's the way he loves us. The creator loves us with ahaba. And he wants to do that because 
if you take the etymology and you go back to where that word really comes from, it's all about giving. See, when you're in a love cove and you really get it, you really get it and it really sinks in, you all of a sudden realize it's not about the take, but it's about the give. Love more, hate less. Give more, take less. Love more, hate less. Give more, take less. That came from one of my mentors back in the 90s, a millionaire mentor that really got it. There's a lot of people in Christianity that really do get it. They really realize it's not about religion. It's about relationship. But now they got to educate themselves on the finer points of truth or a met so that they can really, really get it out there for people to absorb because people want the truth. They don't want to be lied to at a church. They don't want to be lied to at a synagogue. They don't want to be lied to at a mosque. You know, the three big religions out there all are rooted and grounded in Yisrael and from the seed of Abraham and what should have been just Sarah, but because they were disobedient and they didn't trust Yah, Sarai, before she became Sarah, she went ahead and pushed Abraham to sleep with the slave girl. And that's how Islam, Muslim, that's how it all began. It was never even supposed to happen. Again, he allows us to have free will and make bad choices, and it's all the bad choices of our ancestors that has caused us to be in this messed up world that we're in, a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah, a world that had turned against him and had been killing babies, killing babies, killing babies, for 50 years, and it got worse and worse and worse, and then the even worse part about it is we started having to pay for it because our finances were supporting Planned Parenthood. So our money that they take for taxes was actually killing babies. So the blood is on our hands too because we allowed these government officials to walk all over our beliefs and not care about what we believe But in the name of love, I believe that there is a end times generation, an end times remnant that's rising up against the crazy people in this world and saying enough is enough. We walk in a love cove and this is violating the love cove and we're not going to be a part of it. We're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. We got to stand up, man. We got to stand up. Rise up. It says that will happen in the end in the scriptures. It says, arise, O sleeper, arise. See, we've been asleep at the wheel, man. We've been asleep. We've been missing it. Because we're distracted by all these other things that we think are important, and they're not important. 
They're a distraction by the enemy. The deceiver has us so distracted that we can't focus on what's important, which is love. How much time, go back this last week of your life, and then the week before that and the week before that, and start examining. Do the Kadesh Kitve step four. Do a step four and examine yourself and ask yourself, do I really love? How much in this last week have I really loved and how much of my time and attention was spent on other things? See, this world wants to get you so busy and so wrapped up in it, and they use money to do it. Money is always the factor. If you can get wrapped up in your job and making money and doing your thing, you're not even going to think about love. It, it becomes literally an addiction that can be way worse than drugs. And you, the crazy part is you think you're doing right because the scripture does say if a man don't work, he don't eat. A man that doesn't support his family or take care of his family is worse than an infidel. That's why you go to jail if you don't pay child support. You know, I, I paid over $200,000 in child support in my lifetime. I had to work really hard to do that. But I had to learn that while I was working really hard and paying out all this money for children that were my responsibility, that I still had to keep my eyes on the prize. I had to keep my eyes on love while working. I'm very diversified in my efforts, and I work very hard, and I balance in fun, and I really have what a lot of people would call a dream life. And I, I dreamed it, I desired it, and the scripture says that Yah wants to give us the desires of our heart, and I believe that he's given me the desires of my heart, which is to be in an environment that's cultivated in love in everything that I do, whether I'm out in the marketplace as a business broker, I'm going to be out there loving the people that I am in business with in the marketplace. When I'm out there, I'm loving on my customers. I'm loving on my business partners, my other you know, brokers that I'm in business with, that I'm contracted with. I'm loving on everybody everywhere I go. You might say, you love in the marketplace? Yeah, you ought to try it sometime. It's a great lifestyle, and it makes going to work a lot more fun. Survey says, would you like more love in your life? And, of course, the answer, 10 out of 10 times in every circle that I go to, small groups, that's been my specialty across this country, sit down with a small group of 10, 20, 30 people. Would you like more love in your life? Everybody unanimously always wants more love. What they don't realize is Yahweh is Love, First John 4, 8. They don't understand that the very thing they want is him. Most important command, love Yahweh with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Well, of course. Oh, gee, I could have had a V8. 
Ain't it great? Get her done. Got her dead. You got a choice today, man. You got a choice to rise up. Oh, sleeper. Quit sleeping. You got a choice to rise up and love the right way, the way that he says, according to his rules. He's got rules. People, oh, I'm not under the law. Yeah, you are under the law, (laughs) whether you like it or not. And if you violate it, there's consequences for sin because all the law does, all the Torah, the instruction manual for life, all it does is it tells you the difference between right and wrong according to his standards of excellence. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't do it. Why? Because you weren't made for that. You were made to love. You were made to love, not to sin. He never wanted you to sin. That was something you chose to do, not something he made you do. And quit blaming the devil for everything. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, no, he doesn't make you do it. He doesn't have that control over you. He doesn't have that power over you. He doesn't. He's a wimp. He's a speck on my shoulders. Once you realize how powerful you are when love is in you, nothing can stop you. You become unstoppable. It's the greatest realization. That love never fails, so if it's in you, if he's in you, you are not going to fall short. You are not going to fail. You're going to win over sin. You're going to have it going on. Your life is going to be incredible. Yes. And it's fun. It's fun to win. It's fun to be on top of it, not under it. It's a lot better life. This is this is the best life ever. And what's crazy about it is it keeps getting better. Just about the time that I think that I'm reaching this incredible place of the highest mountain, and I'm going from one mountaintop experience to another mountaintop experience to another, it gets gooder. It gets gooder. And that's what you should have in you, is you should have a hope that life is going to get gooder. When his goodness, when the nine fruits of the Ruach HaKodesh, when they fill you and you have more goodness in you, you have more kindness in you, you have more gentleness in you, You have more joy. You have more shalom. Your ability to long suffer and be patient with people, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. Look it up. 1 Corinthians 13, it's all connecting back to those nine fruits in Galatians 5. It's all there. You got to get that stuff in you to really be able to love. That's him and you, his attributes, his benefits, the fruits. 
of course, faith, faithfulness is in that list. And so is Yah control or self-control. You've got to be able to control yourself and not sin. Don't touch the deadly thing. Don't eat the bad thing. Don't, don't, don't. There's do's and there's don'ts. There's bees. Be like this. The be attitudes are the attitudes that be was the greatest sermon that Yahushua HaMashiach spoke on the, on the mount. Do what he says. Be what he tells you to be. And watch your life transform into the most incredible, beautiful, loving bouquet of flowers for the whole world to see. People be like, what happened to you, man? What happened to you? You are so different. You used to be a real jerk. Man, you were a blankety, blankety, blank. And now, wow. Now, wow. You are really something, man. I love you. Yeah, I love you too. It's easy to love the lovables. But, oh, if you can go out there and love the unlovables, wow, that'd be really cool, wouldn't it? So I challenge you today. Love, 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 because you were made to love. Hallelujah. Dream is fading now, I'm staring at the door. I know it's over cause my feet have hit the cold floor. Check my reflection, I ain't feeling what I see. It's no mystery. Whatever happened to a passion I could live for? What became of the flame that made me feel more?
Love Live. Rock Remnant Reality Radio, Rev Rock, Yajay for Yahweh, bringing it to you here on the Love for Truth line. On Love Live, Rock Remnant Reality Radio. That's right, we are the love line. This is where you learn to love. So if you're here to sign up to say, yeah, I want to learn how to love, because I've really sucked at it and I've made my life into a poop sandwich and it does not taste good, well then, you know what? You're in the right place at the right time with the right people because we're here to teach each other how to love in a real-life love experience because we want to love you. We want to be your friend. We want to be your friend. What's wrong with that? We don't want to be some big religious show, you know, some big performance. No. It's not authentic. It's not real. It's, it's a show. This is not a show. This is reality radio, baby, and we're here to love you today to the fullest. And you can learn to love here, and you can learn to love me, and I can learn to love you, and it's going to be wonderful. That was Toby McKeon from original DC Talk back in the 1990s. I learned a lot about love by just being in a, a love relationship with Toby, a brother who writes music that really covers a lot of aspects of our ancient text, the Kitve Kadesh. I even got for a present the book that he wrote because he rewrote the Book of Martyrs of the people that loved so much they were willing to die for this faith. No greater life, no greater love can any man give than to lay down his life for his friends. This is why we get all choked up when we think about veterans dying for us for the freedom of our country. It's because that's the highest form of love is to be willing to die for another person, which is why Yeshua HaMashiach died for you 2,000 years ago on an olive tree, not a cross. It wasn't a Roman cross. Get it through your head. Even the King James Bible says tree a bunch of times, but the mistranslations of religion have made you think it was a Roman cross. It wasn't Roman. Get this whole Roman Catholic garbage out of your head. It never happened. They made up a story. They changed the text to, to fit people into their pagan religion. And Christianity comes from Catholicism. It's birthed out of Catholicism. So there's been a filter that was put on it. So it's not like Israel. So please don't think that Christianity is the same thing as the love relationship with the Abba Yah, according to his love book, his love letters that were written directly to you because he's reaching out to you in this book. And the last thing we need to do is have man tampering with what it really said. But he did. And it's mistranslation, mistranslation after mistranslation. And we think it says stuff that it doesn't. And until you get back to the perfect language, you really don't understand that. That's why we speak Yanglish on this line. Now, I've been communicating love since 1993 to this man, Scott Scribe Pratt, my best friend, who is my ministry partner, and I can guarantee you we love each other better today than we did back in the 90s. And it's only getting better. 
And I'm excited about him sealing his love cove with Abba Yah in a licensing and ordination that's going to be coming at Life Fest this upcoming 2022 Life Fest in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. We're going to do a mikvah. We're going to do the anointing of oil, the laying on of hands. And he is going to be set apart for the work of ministry in a scriptural way, in the way that the Kid Kadesh says you're supposed to be the right way. Not some Christian college or some, you know, institutional type mumbo jumbo. No, we're going to do it the way that the scripture says to do it. And really it's an apprenticeship situation. And both he and I have been apprentices alongside of a lot of teachers, many of which who had a lot of good stuff, but yet still had some false doctrines in there. So we've grown and we've grown and we've grown. We've studied, we figured out who our false teachers were and who our real teachers were. And we're leaning towards anybody that was a love teacher. Well, that's the ones. Those are the ones that got us to where we are today. So I love this man, and I'm so glad that he is the the morning designated Yajay for Yahweh. He is the one that leads this broadcast, and I am honored that I was able to, to speak first today, okay, after an hour of great worship. Okay, with James Block from Yisrael. He's from Israel, right? Originally from Canada, but he moved to Israel. He married Elizabeth, who was a Jew, and she converted and became Messianic and believes in the Messiah today. It's an incredible story. But I love James Block. That's who we were jamming to for the first hour today. And we got the, the, the soil all prepared. We got it fertilized. We got it watered. We got some sunshine coming on in. So you are good soil to receive the seed. And I have just tried to plant a, a few scattered seeds, as the parable of Yeshua says. I've been scattering seeds out there unto the nations through Love Live because this reaches around the world. This is a global ministry. And we're glad if you came into the studio today, if you called in or came in, we're glad to have you with us. We appreciate your comments that some of you are typing, okay, and we will address those. But know that we are being led to say what the Ruach is telling us to say and to be able to share with you the most important thing. According to 1 Corinthians 13, according to Shaul or Paul, the Shaliach, the apostle, according to him, what he was given by Abba the most important thing is Ahaba. It's love. That's the most important thing. There's nothing more important you can do with your life. So that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're teaching on the love cuff. And Scott Scribe Pratt is going to take it from here. I'm going to give him a high five and say, I love you, my brother from another mother. Let's bring it on in. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for covering for me this morning, Rock. Uh, I got no excuse, not even going to offer one for not being on this morning. Uh, but I do apologize. Am I supposed to start in Malachi 1 this morning, or am I just supposed to follow up with uh, the Proverbs? I think you're supposed to just let 
the Ruah Kakodesh takeover. Let's bring somebody in to pray over you so that you can just move on in, brother. All right. I you think you got yummy yummy out there somewhere, probably. I had my Bible app open. See, Yami, are you there? She looks like she's unmuted this morning, so she should be there. Yeah, it looks like she's unmuted. Well, you know what? Maybe she decided to take a nap because I was so boring and I just have no enthusiasm. <laughs> Somehow I doubt that. Now can you hear me? We can yes, absolutely we hear you. I'm so okay. glad that I didn't bore you to sleep. <laughs> no, I was just um, I'm I'm um, laying down in the bedroom listening. I did probably doze a little. But I could hear Well, let's call down some fire from Shamayim and get that guilt and that shame out of the way and just come on in, girl. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Pray some fire. Brimstone anointing and call it on upon Scott Scribe Pratt that he is an oracle of truth today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yami, you're breaking up. Okay. You got to take that uh, phone out from underneath the pillow. You can't talk through the pillow. No, no, no. It's on the Bible. It's a standing on the Word. (laughs) I said, I got it set on the Bible. Maybe you got to take it off a speaker because I know one of my phones doesn't work when it's on speaker. I got to always take it off, and then you guys say you can hear me. So maybe that's the problem. Let's see. Okay, I just saw this. Well, you know what? Why don't we let you figure that out, and we're going to go ahead and just pray it on in. Hallelujah. Praise be to the great Yav Shalmayim. I just ask that you speak to and through Scott's God Pratt right now as your oracle of truth, Abba Yah, and that you are having a incredible outpouring into the ears of every person that hears. Let them hear what the Ruach says into the congregations of love. Let them hear around the world, even if it's live right now, or if it's in a pre-recorded broadcast that they hear in a later time, I just ask that your fire is just as intense as it is right now, as it will be forevermore, that it will just flow through this line, through this recording, and it will definitely pierce the hearts, and hearts will be moved, hearts will be changed. They will become new, and you will make all things new. As your word, as your truth, as your love goes forth, we pray it all by the blood and the authority of Yahushua HaMashiach, our King of Kings and Foundation of Foundations. That's Malachim of Malachims and Adonai of Adonais. Hallelujah and Yamin. Well, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for the introduction. Thank you for the prayer, Slack Rock. I appreciate it. 
after reading Proverbs 13 through 15, or 13, 15 to 22, I think we're going to stay there and stick with the Torah. I think uh, Yao wants me to tie something in with that, uh, with what Rock was saying. So 13, is, uh, 13 starting in verse 15. The good sense gives kavod. Scripture says grace. We don't use that word because it's connected to a pagan deity. Good sense gives kavod. But the way of traitors is continual. Every prudent one deals with knowledge. But a fool is open as folly. A wicked messenger falls into evil. But a faithful ambassador is healing. Poverty and shame shall be to him who refuses instruction. But he who keeps to correction shall be honored. The desire coming to pass is sweet to the soul. But to depart from evil is hateful to fools. He who walks with the wise shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be broken. Evil pursues sinners, but the righteous shall be rewarded with good. A good man leaves an inheritance to his sons, but the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Can you see in here everywhere where it talks or where it references positive character traits, positive qualities, Yah's qualities? There's love there. There's a hava there. Good sense is not evil. Kavod is not evil. But being traitorous is. Intentionally setting out to cause the downfall or the betrayal of something else. is not something most people will try to stay away from. There requires a renewal of the mind. There requires an attachment of a haba. Yeshua had good sense. Yeshua's presence increases kavod. Judas, on the other hand, this probably, Yeshua's betrayal probably wasn't the first time he betrayed somebody. It's the first example we have of him doing it. But it probably wasn't the first time. But it was a selfish act. So it probably happened more than once throughout the course of his life until he took it. Every prudent one deals with knowledge. Torah is instruction. 
Torah's statutes. It's not necessarily laws we understand legal law. But it's something that needs to be attended to. Something that needs to be paid attention to. It's something that needs to be worked within and worked through and related to and Yah calls that prudent. And Yah has a benachot that comes on top of that proper knowledge, the proper relation, relating properly to that knowledge. There's a positive outcome attached to it. Or at least there should be. I mean, if you're not willing to receive it, the positive outcome is not going to be there for you. Why? Because we're not getting it yet. Last half of the verse says, but a fool lays open his folly. I've laid open my folly. I've done it. I need to slam the door on that bad boy. I need to slam the door on anything that continues to consume my time but does not provide a reward. Again, that reward doesn't just come in the form of material things. It comes in looking more like my Elohim. It comes in looking more like my Mashiach. so that more of him can be seen through me in this world. A wicked messenger falls into evil. Well, that's pretty simple. You don't really send out dishonest people to tell somebody the truth. You don't really send out somebody that's got an ulterior motive to try to convey something that somebody might strongly disagree with. Yesterday on the call, Rock had mentioned some challenges that we were having when he and Sam first got together. And we started talking about things that we shouldn't have in ways that we shouldn't have. Unrighteous communication. That corrupt communication. Well, that's what 17 is talking about. It's corrupt communicators. There is no ahava in corrupt communication. But, but, a faithful ambassador is healing. Now, it's interesting, because I think this is the first time um, that Solomon actually puts the negative aspect first in a proverb or in a statement, which I think is kind of cool. He kind of flips the switch there. A wicked messenger falls into evil. But a faithful ambassador is healing. If you bring somebody out that is conscious about how much love or ahava is in his conversation, and he takes that to those that he's 
dealing with. Righteousness is going to be restored. There's going to be a healing, a drawing together, an explosion, if you will, of a haba, or a welding together of a haba. There's just going to be a healing in those relationships. Because that's ultimately why you sent that faithful ambassador is because obviously you felt something was broken or not as strong as it could be, and you wanted it strengthened. A wicked messenger, somebody that doesn't that doesn't care if something is broken, isn't going to do that. They're just going to make matters worse. Poverty and shame shall be to him who refuses instruction. Did you notice that it doesn't specifically and solely reference instruction from the Kippeh HaKodesh. Now, obviously, we read that into it, and there's nothing wrong with it, and that is the priority here, because we know that refusing that instruction is going to diminish our relationship with the author. But we also know that when it comes to doing something, if there's a system involved, if there's a pattern that can be followed, if there's instructions given as to what we can do to accomplish a thing, let's say you're putting together a dollhouse for your daughter or a bicycle for your kid, for your son. and you refuse to read the instructions like most men get accused of and laughed at for doing more often than not. Oh, my guy, I don't have to read how to do that. I, you know, we've all been there. Has it ever cost you money? Has whatever you've been trying to put together broken in front of you? Have you ever been embarrassed by the fact that something that could have taken you 30 minutes to put together took you four hours? But if you got your wife next to you, if you have your your ish next to you, and she insists on reading the instructions that normally goes a little bit more smoothly, which again is a complete contradiction of what human history shows us. Because in that situation, it was Eve that did not listen, or was not taught instruction, was not taught proper instruction. Adam dropped the ball and, you know, wasn't aware that the snake was getting in and talking to his, you know, and talking to Eve. So there again, poverty and shame came to him who refuses instruction. Abba Yah in the garden tells Adam he can eat from any tree in the garden, but not from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now apparently Eve knew of that commandment, so whether Adam told her 
or if Yah told her, it, it isn't stated. But that instruction was refused. Adam didn't defend the instruction. He didn't reaffirm it. But here it comes again for those that saying that there's no kavod or no favor in the Old Testament. But he who keeps correction. If that isn't kavod or favor. But he who keeps to correction shall be honored. Abba Yad did honor Adam and Eve, and he gave them a second chance even after they fell, even after they betrayed him, even after they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He still allowed them to stick around for 940 years. And Baruchdem, in major ways, yeah, there were issues, you know, once once the fall happened and humanity got involved, there was you know humanity was always going to be a problem. I mean, let's face it, the only thing wrong with the you know with the Mishpachah now is that there's people in it. But that can be worked with too. That's what Yeshua came for. That's what this book is all about. So that those that decide to Teshuva and turn back towards the proper instruction and promise to keep their eye on the prize or their eyes on the prize, they'll be honored. It's a promise from Yah. He says we can depend on that. He watches, he cares, he will provide. He wants the world to see how good he is because of what he does and that it is better and easier to walk in accordance with his instructions than it is apart from them. The desire coming to pass is sweet to the soul. But to depart from evil is hateful to fools. Well, okay. You set your out your you set your mind on accomplishing something. And it happens. That's awesome. You, you appreciate it. Okay, you've just increased your your lifestyle. You've just increased your, you know, your ability to help others, whatever the situation is. Once that professed or confessed desire is accomplished, you get to feel better about yourself. You get to feel better about your relationship with Yah. You know that faith works. You know that obedience and trust work. You know that when you put all all three of those together, life just gets easier. But to depart from evil, to depart from wickedness, to depart from sin, if if a person is that far into it, It becomes a preferred practice for those choosing to stay foolish, for those choosing to be fools in the first place. They'll sit there, they'll laugh, and they'll mock, and they'll scorn. 
because they don't want to see, they don't want to consider the right and the light and the beauty that could be in a life dedicated to pursuing Yeshua's righteousness. To pursuing that relationship with Yeshua. They would prefer to abstain from it. Oh, that's for squares. That's for, you know, Bible, Bible, Bible. To quote one of my nieces over and over. A conversation that um, social media that I got into about abortion and this whole Supreme Court decision. They mock. Out of out of out of foolish hearts they mock, yet they say that they know Jesus. Well, if you knew him half as well as you think you do, you would depart from the nonsense that's coming out of your mouth that doesn't line up with Ahava. Verse 20. He who walks with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be broken. And one more thing, touching on verse 19. The desire coming to pass is sweet to the soul. It's going to take a hava. It's going to take a hava. You're going to have to love yourself enough to keep pushing through you're going to have to believe in yourself enough. As much as you're believing in Yahweh to make it happen, you're going to have to believe in yourself enough to get up the gumption, to, to maintain the motivation, to push through, to press into the uncomfortable things. So that that desire can come to pass. He who walks with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be broken. There's love too. If you choose to walk with the wise, your life is going should get better if you apply what they're telling you to. Now, obviously, the ultimate source of wisdom is this book right here, Kippe Hakadash. So it's best to walk with it. It's best to relate to it. It's best to run with it. It's best to allow your life to be impacted by it. It's best to love it, to adhere to it, to glue yourself to it, to write it on the tablets of your heart so that you're not estranged from it. But a companion of fools, those that choose friendship with the foolish or remain too near to those engaging in foolishness, those engaging in that which Yahweh does not approve of, out and out rejects, calls an abomination. Lord's word claims that, that he abhors, shall be broken. Now, don't get it don't get it wrong. Yahweh is not the one doing the breaking. 
He might allow the breaking to come. But you're engaging in wickedness. While he may want you to be the apple of his eye, you at this at that current point in time, and I pray there isn't anybody on the line that qualifies for that, you right now. But for those that would hear this in a pre-recorded broadcast, if it, if that is you, if you are engaging with those that are doing things that are untoward toward God's heart, you shall be broken. You're keeping the company of fools. A wise man does not engage in business at night. Well, in certain circumstances, if there's enough light around, it can be done. But let's face it. Most business done in public at night is not conducive to righteousness. Maybe I shouldn't even say most. Maybe I should say a lot. You get the idea. Okay? We know that wherever Yeshua goes, wherever Torah goes, that light shines regardless of how dark it is. But the fact of the matter is there is more risk in doing things at night than there is during the day. But here again, it's confession of love. Are you loving the desire to, to be wiser, to gain wisdom? Or are you prefer, preferring the foolish, baser things of the world that ultimately could leave you broken on every level? Evil pursues sinners, but the righteous shall be rewarded with good. Well, that's a pretty loving statement. It, there's the warning. And then there's the proclamation of who shall be rewarded and with what they'll be rewarded. Solomon Yah has Solomon say, okay, this is what's going on. If you keep acting stupid, if you keep missing the mark, bad stuff is going to come. What do you consider what what do you consider evil? What do you consider not just a natural course of things? But what do you think is the opposite of a beneficial living? Let's put it that way. Because if you look at it, if you rearrange the letters, evil and live are opposites. You're better not to live not to live evilly, if I can use that. But evil will pursue sinners because sinners are normally not going to engage in wisdom. They're not going to adhere to instructions. They're not going to do that which will keep evil at bay because they're not going to attach themselves to it. They're not going to invest themselves in it. In it. In, in the right instruction, that is. But the righteous, those that will properly align themselves with the instructions and bend over backwards, so to speak, to see to it that they, they adhere to 
those standards, those instructions. There's a reward for them. And it's not just eternity, though that's the big one. We get to call Abba Yah, we get to call Yeshua, friend. We get to call him brother. We get to confess to the world that he loves us and that we love him, that we are part of the Mishpacha. But we need to know what we look like before we leave the room. We need to reflect on and confess the need for transformation to ourselves. Abba Yah already knows, Yeshua already knows that we need to be transformed. And as I'm saying this, they're probably sitting up and going, duh. But I see everything. Of course, we, of course we know you need to transform. But if you don't make that confession to yourself, if you look in a mirror and then walk away and say, I'm fine, nothing needs to change, well, guess what? You can guarantee it. Evil's pursuing you. I can guarantee you there's a good chance you're going to be walking around with fools. Guarantee you there's a good chance that somewhere, somewhere along the lines, in your day, in your week, in your month, some part of you is going to be broken. Whether it's your spirit, whether it's a bone, whether it's your pocketbook, whatever the situation. Abba Yah will use evil to teach you a lesson. To teach me a lesson. Sin is the breaking of instruction. It is dis-ease with Elohim. It's dis-ease with Yah. Why would we want to have an, uncom- an uncomfortable relationship with, the, with a friend that possesses that much power, that much authority, that much goodness, that much ahava? Why would we want to alienate him just to have our own way? That makes no sense. There sounds, the sound of, no, let me start over. Not completely, not from the beginning. That just doesn't make any sense. Let's just leave it at that. Alienating the Elohim of creation from our lives is just dumb. If you think I'm wrong, and I'm only going to make this statement once, and I wouldn't take it seriously. If you think that last statement of mine was wrong, ask Hasatan if alienating Yahweh from his existence was a good idea. Verse 22, as I wrap up, a good man leaves an inheritance to his sons. But the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Hallelujah. Now, Yeshua HaMashiach was more than just a good man. In fact, he even denied the accolade of being good When asked by the rich or young ruler, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? 
Yeshua himself says, why do you call me good? There is none good but the Father. But Yeshua did leave an inheritance to his sons and his sons' sons. And it's an inheritance of instructions to Ahava and what that Ahava would look like and what that Ahava would feel like and who that Ahava would benefit. And the confession of that inheritance can be found in John 17. I mean, it's all it's all over the 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 renewed covenant, the renewed love cup from above. I get that, but we're talking inner circle here, and you can work your way into that inner circle. Nobody's restricted from it. But again, it's going to take embracing every aspect of this love letter to get there. A good man leaves an inheritance to his sons, a sons, and tells them to study, to show themselves approved, a workman needing not be ashamed. But remember, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. There are those that are working against us whose wealth is still a product of Yahweh. Yahweh just hasn't taken it from them yet. Any knowledge that they have, any any material wealth, any real estate, whatever the situation, it's laid up for us. It's laid up for us. It's not a matter of it's not a matter of thieving or breaking Torah or any of the rest of it. Yah is not going to tell us to do something and then break his own word. He's just not going to. That's not who he is. But who is the just? If the just aren't those walking in Yahweh, if the just aren't those walking in Yeshua, if the just aren't those in possession of a steeper, more intense knowledge of the Ruach HaKadosh and the Word, if those aren't the just, then what's the point of the first part of that verse? The sinner, sooner or later, is either going to get righteous or die. Or something else is going to happen. It might not be immediate death. It might not be natural death. In many, in many ways, the term sinner can be synonymous with criminal. You can't really argue that point. 
There's a very, there really isn't a, I mean, the Ten Commandments, the first ten instructions given to Israel. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thieving and murdering are probably two of the biggest problems we have in the society today. So how can we not connect those? How can we how can we not have the audacity to say we have a, that that the dude down in in Chicago just killed six people, put thirty one in the hospital. He's a murderer, but he's not a sinner. It doesn't work. You can't. You cannot stop all over the all over the instructions and expect the the instructions not to apply to you. Yeah, it's like when we were kids on the playground. You know. Six, seven, eight years old. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. Well, if, if that's the case, then let's make sure that what's sticking to me is something I want stuck to me. I don't want my words to break. I don't want my words to break somebody else's bones. I don't want my words to break my own bones. And I could have said, I don't want my words to break my bones and I don't want my words to break somebody else's bones. I just didn't know which way sounded less less selfish or more yaffish. It is so obvious in this book in Proverbs, that Yahweh knows us so much better than we know ourselves that you have to laugh at people when they make some kind of convoluted confession that the Bible is not applicable to what's going on in the world today. You almost have to wonder how they consume their THC. And how much of it? Abba Yah is all about Ahava. He is Ahava. And every message in here is based on the principles of Ahava. But the question remains, are we going to Ahava him back? Abiyah, in the name of Yeshua, we just thank you for your word today. I pray that if the seed falls on good soil, Abba, I pray that as a faulty seed caster, I didn't miss the garden. Abba, I pray that if that somehow some seed does land on good soil. And yeah, that you cause it to multiply and produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. In the name of Yeshua. Hallelujah. And Yamin.
Live, live for Rock Remnant Reality Radio. We're here for the backslider. Don't think that we throw you away here at Love Live. Love never ends. Love never quits. We are not quitting on you. So don't quit on yourself. Uh, we definitely want to uh, make ourselves as available as possible. And that's why we're here right now on this line. You can learn a lot more listening than you can talking. And there's a time to listen and there's a time to talk. Ecclesiastes 3 makes this very clear. But you learn a lot more when you're listening than you are talking. So uh, I'm encouraging some of those who have fallen backwards to hang on and just keep coming on to this line. That's, that's the show for me that someone is going to make it. If you're not if you're not committed to being a disciple by showing up on this line consistently, then I know that you're not serious and you're probably going to fall again and again and again and again and again, which has been the problem for Marissa is, you know, we met almost, you know, a decade ago and uh she's consistently fallen and fallen and fallen and fallen, but that's because she's never got committed in a real way. And, you know, TJ, I, I see you reaching out on the line, but, you know, you need to know uh, that your chat is being heard and your reaching out is being heard and we've ran to your rescue over and over and over. But you're going to need to run to Yahweh. You're going to need to run to Yahweh. You're going to need to run to Yahweh. You're going to need to run to him. And one of the parts of running to him is he tells us that we need to get her, get under his love leader's direction. And, and as he speaks to and through the teachers of love, as he speaks to and through the elders, then you need to be there to receive what he has to say. So getting on this line is a way that I can talk to more than one person at a time. It's very hard to do one-on-one -on -one counseling, and I have limited myself because of you only have 24 hours in a day that I can only counsel so many people and I have to counsel the most serious people that are not just poking this with a stick and not just screwing around with their commitment. Because when I commit to you and reciprocate, it's usually, unfortunately, not an equal situation. I give way more to the relationships because I know how to love and I'm going to love people into this kingdom and I'll give way more than you're able to give. It always happens. Ask scribe. You aren't you aren't going to outlove me in our in our relationship. Good luck on that. And if you ever do, you'll probably be the one that's running the radio broadcast. You'll be the next one getting licensed and ordained. Because commitment is everything. And that is what they called themselves. They didn't call themselves the church. They called themselves followers of the way. Who was the way? Yeshua was the way. They were following him. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm pointing you to follow to him, and I'm showing you how to do that. And every one of you, he's an equal opportunity employer. Every one of you, he's hiring, just so you know. He's hiring followers. He's trying to see who's serious, who really is willing to follow, because like I said, Marissa poked this with a stick. She played around with it, and as a result, she screwed away the last 10 years of her life. She really wasted a lot of time, 
And, you know, once you start getting older, you start realizing more and more how precious your time is, and you don't want to waste it anymore. You don't want to throw your life away. You don't want to throw your time away. You want to get serious about your life, and you want to get in the solution and get out of the problem, and that's going to take commitment. Galal means, Galilee means committed. This was the most committed region around Yerushalayim or Jerusalem. This was the most committed region, region was Galilee. And they lived up to their name. And that's why Kepha or Peter, that's why John or Yehuchanan, that's why all these guys were being chosen by Abba Yah in that Galal, in that Galilee region, because they were committed. They might have not known what they were supposed to be committed to because the Jewish Orthodox or Pharisees and Sadducees had already thwarted the leadership so badly they didn't know how to follow. So the Mashiach himself came down, got his mikvah or his washing, his cleansing to set the example for all of us to do the same thing with his cousin Yahukanan, the mikvah man or the Baptist. And he went ahead and was the greatest man ever born amongst women, according to Yeshua. And he was so strong in his faith, Yahukanan the mikvah man, John the Baptist, that they actually, uh, King Herod's, uh, wife actually wanted his head on a platter. He wanted him, the king, Herod, to go ahead and, and command, make a decree that we want the head of John the Baptist. We're going to kill this guy. So, you know, that's pretty strong commitment. I don't know about you guys, you know, about what you think of commitment, but if you're re- willing to die for somebody, if you're willing to die for this faith, that's showing me you're committed. So all I ask is, hey, if you want to be discipled by me, I'm teaching every day in the morning and at night. And if I'm not teaching, I got other teachers that I have been training, mentoring, coaching, encouraging, loving on for a long time, grooming them to be excellent teachers, to be able to share the truth in a powerful, meaningful way. So it doesn't matter if rock's on, because this isn't about me. This is about Yeshua HaMashiach. This is about following the way that he has set up as a pattern, as a living word, so that you can learn to love, and the way that you learn to love is learn to become a living word like he was. That's really as simple as it is. Very simple concept, very challenging thing to do, because you have to challenge yourself to learn what commitment is, and for some of you, you may have never been committed to anything. Maybe you were committed to your drug use. Maybe you were committed to being a good drug dealer. But then you probably sucked at that too because you ended up getting arrested and going to prison. So you really weren't as good as what you thought you were. Because a good drug dealer isn't going to get arrested. If there is such a thing as a good drug dealer. (laughs) So... Shape up or ship out is pretty much, you know, what Yah says. You know, you can you can go find somebody else to lead you and teach you. And if you want to go under their teaching style and you want to go under their religious stuff, go for it. 
But if you want to do this transformational love program called Transform Recovery, if you want to do a transformation and become everything that he's ever created and called you to be, then you're going to have to be a good soldier. You're going to have to be disciplined to be a disciple. You cannot be a disciple without being disciplined. So I'm giving this as a general message to TJ because he kind of put himself out there in the chat that, you know, he's fallen again. And Marissa is the master of falling again. She fell again longer than I fell. I fell for about five years fighting, coming into this highest power love to lead my life. I I fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it. I had my arm cut off, bled to death, died twice, you know, was raped by a man, uh, you know, who, who date raped me, stuck something in my drink homosexual guy took advantage of me. That would have never happened if I would have got clean because I would have never been there. I went there for the specific purpose to get stoned with that guy because I knew he always had good drugs. But he also had prescription drugs because he was considered a nutcase. So the mental health system would give him drugs, and that's what he obviously stuck in my drink because I never would pass out on two beers. But the next thing you know, I was so incapacitated, I couldn't even walk home back to my grandmother's house where I was crashing because my dad kicked me out of the house at that time. I couldn't even walk home. I had to crawl home two blocks away. I was taken advantage of, but it was my fault because I put myself into that situation. You guys got to realize if you're going to keep putting yourself in bad situations instead of good ones like being on this line and learning from other people's mistakes, you know, which, which way would you rather go through life? Make all the mistakes yourself or get on this line and learn from our mistakes so you don't have to make all of them. Learning from others' mistakes is a lot less painful, trust me. And I'm so glad I learned that from one of my mentors, Jerry Meadows, when I was in my 20s. It has saved me a heartache so many times. It was like, man, I'm going to start to learn how to be wise. So next to love, an extremely important characteristic to start to get is wisdom. Get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. How do I get wisdom? How do I do that? We teach on this line, the Proverbs, so you can listen, the Mashal, the Proverbs. We teach it so that you will become wise. You have to go through the process of knowledge. You're praying all the way through. You're praying before you get to receive the knowledge, while you're receiving the knowledge, and after you receive the knowledge. And what are you praying for? Understanding. So you get knowledge first, you pray for understanding. You get that understanding going, and now it's time, once you get the understanding, once it really sinks into your thick skull, wow, I could add a V8. Wow, I should try this. So you take action steps. 
you take action and you become a doer of what you just learned, that's a doer of the word. And guess what? You probably are going to fall down. You're probably going to fail in the trying. And it's going to hurt like hell. But there's a lesson that Yah has in the trying, in the doing, that he has for you. And if you're praying through the do, pray through the do, there's lessons that you'll learn, and that creates what's called an experience. And those experiences, if you pray over those lessons, those experiences, you will get wisdom. It's a surefire formula that we have in Transform Recovery in what we see in the scriptures as a surefire way for you to be on fire, for you to get rid of the lukewarm, boring person that you've been, the failing person that you've been. You don't want to be that person anymore. I know you don't. I didn't want to be that. So we want to bring out the best in you. So I'm going to have Marissa come on, and I'm going to have her talk today to try to minister to TJ regarding her falling, because TJ keeps falling, so the two of them can really relate with each other. So Marissa needs to go ahead and and really lay out, if I was to try to help somebody, and she always gets distracted doing this, but maybe in helping somebody else, should be able to help herself. So if you were to say the number one things that you've done wrong since you've been brought to Love, Inc., and you, you know, were a part of a different ministry right before you got with us, if you were to look at all the things you did wrong and all of those experiences of trying and dying, trying and dying, trying and dying, and falling flat on your face, and being humiliated, being degraded, being arrested, you know, having people die in your presence in the drug world, you know, all the garbage you went through, Marissa, a fresh divorce, you know, challenges with your, your children, you know, just your life being a mess. What could you tell the world and TJ, Tim Jeffers, what could you tell him about what not to do and what to do. To do and not to do, that is the question. What could you tell him? Share that today in the form of a praise, in the form of a a prayer, in the form of a decree, in the form of a declare. Speak some life into TJ's life, because I know that's one of the things we've taught you. And he needs to learn how to do it. When you give TJ the microphone, he doesn't he doesn't even follow the format. So he he does not got it. He does not he has not figured out how this works. How you start to speak life into your life and how you start to put together your list of of you know, 77 thankful things. He's not, I I've never seen his list, you know. I've been I've been trying to help him for several years. He hasn't followed that simple instruction to put together a gratitude list. So 77 thankful things. I've never seen his list of 40 powerful prayers. And I surely have never heard the 33 decrees and declares. But that's the program base of how we start our day with Yahweh. We have got to learn 
how to work within praying, within praising, within decreeing, within declaring. We've got to learn to work within that realm of existence because when we do, we start to transform. And we start to connect in intimacy with our creator in a really big way, especially if we learn the art of meditation, which is now not just talking to Yah, but listening to Yah as he talks to you. Because I know darn well, if you'd be listening to Yah, you would not go back out and get high, because he would never tell you to do that. You're still listening to the liar who tells you, oh, it's going to be really great. Go have sex with this girl. Go have sex with this guy. He's got great drugs. She's got great drugs. So people people have been lured back into doing drugs because the woman that they were attracted to was a chronic addict themselves. Happens all the time. This is a normal situation. More people have fallen in the name of codependency and sexual addiction than I could shake a stick at. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, TJ, you can learn a lot if Marissa shares this right. So we're going to give her an opportunity now. If you, were, you wanted to bring somebody new that was still getting high to our camp our last campsite, and I said, no, we don't want a stoner coming to this campsite because you can't help somebody when they're high. You can't help them. You can't help them when they're drunk. We've had drunks on this line. You know what those broadcasts are like. They're obnoxious. They're annoying. It's, it's horrible. We want you to come when you're at your rock bottom reality and you're saying, I've had enough, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you are ready for change. If you're not ready for change, my advice to you is go back out there and, and start drinking a bottle or two of Jack Daniels a day. That's my prescription for you because you obviously aren't hurting bad enough yet, and you're going to need to black out and go ahead and kill somebody in a car accident and have a manslaughter charge over your head for drunk driving and be in that situation and see if that's enough of a bottom for you to say, wow, I have been such a stubborn bonehead. I had wise counsel coming into my life telling me to stop drinking, to stop drugging, and I didn't listen. So, you know, people say, well, I'm feeling like I want to go out and get high. Okay, well, then go out and get high. Get out of here. You're wasting my time. I can only help people that want help. I can't help people that want to get high. If you want Yahweh, I can help you. If you want love, I can help you. But you got to want love more than you want hate. You're hating yourself. It's a self-hatred web of delusion when you're thinking that you're going to somehow solve your problems by getting stoned and getting laid. 
or eating yourself to death and becoming four or five or 600 pounds. That is self-hatred in the obvious. Everybody can see it. Oh, my gosh, look at this person. They're seven, pushing 700 pounds. They can't even get out of the, the, little, uh, the little scooter at Walmart. Yeah, they're killing themselves. It's a slow suicide. Obesity, yeah, and those are the people you see at Old Country Buffet that waddle around. They can hardly get from the, from the buffet line back to their seat. They have no business being at a buffet. They should go on a 40-day fast and pray to break that food addiction. Fasting and prayer is the only way you're going to break that demonic force of, of food addiction. Wake up. Hello. Duh. If you don't want a haircut, then don't go to the barber shop. If you don't want to get high, then don't go to the dope house. If you don't want to get drunk, then don't go to the tavern. You guys got to realize some basic realities here that people don't get sober-minded by accident. People get sober-minded because they've had enough of wasting their life you got to get so disgusted with yourself and your stupidness, like TJ pointed out in what he chatted. you got to get so sick of that stupidness that you say, I'm not going to be stupid no more. I'm going to learn how to be a wise man. Okay, well, then you're in the right place because Scott Scribe Pratt just delivered a killer message on how to become wise. So I turn it over to Marissa at this time, and I ask her to stay on point, don't get distracted, and deliver your best message to a person that needs help because this person that was getting stoned and you wanted to bring to the park, they don't want help. But it sounds like TJ might be ready, like you, we questioned, is she ready yet? Is she ready yet? And I told you, no, I'm not, I don't want you in our rehab program because I didn't think you were ready yet. I didn't think you were serious. That's called tough love. I felt you needed to go out, obviously, and hurt a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you were involved in a sex trafficking ring. And you found yourself in a very evil place with some very evil people. And it gets worse. Don't ever think that wherever you stopped and your rock bottom reality was, that it can't get worse. Because if I would have got clean when I was 14, I would have graduated with honors. I would have got a scholarship for music and a scholarship for theater. And my entire life would have been different. We are where we are because of the choices that we make in our life. For some of us, that's exciting. For some of us, that's depressing because we make bad choices with our life. We screw our life over. We go out and do stupid shit. You got to knock it off. Don't do stupid shit because you're going to ruin your life. You're going to end up in prison. You're going to end up in a psych, psych ward somewhere. 
you're going to totally ruin your life. So I'm going to encourage you to do the right thing, TJ, and listen to Marissa right now because she hit her bottom. And she wants to not lose her children. She wants to, in fact, get one of them back that she could have had back a long time ago if she would have got her shit together. I mean, let's get honest with each other. She always tries to say, oh, no, no, he's there for... No, he's there because you sucked as a mother. Get honest about it. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have your child over there. No mother in her right mind, and you weren't in your right mind, no mother in her right mind would allow your son to go with a guy like your stepdad that you don't even like, much less I don't even know if you love the guy. And he sure isn't brimming with love, honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, and, and a real great person. He seems to be a real jerk-off. So who would want their son to be raised by a guy like him. I sure wouldn't. So you need to get honest about your parenting. You need to get honest about, you know, how you were living your life. Selfish, self-centered. That's what most people do in addiction. They live for themselves. They don't give a crap about their kids. They don't give a crap about their husbands or wives. They don't give a crap about anybody but themselves. We need to get honest about that because that is not Yah. That is not love. It's not his doctrine. It's not his way, truth, and life. It's the devil's. It's the enemy. It's Hasatan God Re'el. That's his plan for you is for your life to suck. He wants to rob from you, kill you, destroy you. He wants your life to suck. And you know it. You all know it. You know there's an enemy in your life. My recommendation is kick the enemy out of your life and don't let him be in your life at all. Get him out. Get him out, get him out, get him out. He is not welcomed in your life. So we are at a crucial time in the life of Timothy Jeffers. We're at a crucial time in the life of Marissa Coles. What about your life? Where are you? Are you at a crucial time? Is it time for you to finally make a decision to say, who's your daddy? Is your daddy God, Ray L.? Or is your daddy Yahweh, our Shamaim Abba, our Heavenly Father? Which is it for you? Who will you serve? Who is going to be your daddy in life? What lessons are you going to learn? Are you going to learn the lessons that Satan wants you to think? All this garbage in your brain? Garbage in, garbage out. Put the good stuff in and get the good stuff out. You're getting some good stuff here today. Put it in so that the good stuff can come back out of you. And that's what I'm hoping is that Marissa has some good stuff that's going to come out of her. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, so, um, I just want to... 
pray if um, TJ is listening. I, you said he said something in the chat. I don't know what he said, but Yahweh knows. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you as we know where we stand in you and in our relationship with you today. And there's a lot of aspects to our lives on where you want to take us. And I just pray for your shakma as you help me share the, as I um, speak my truth today that Tim and others can hear the words that you want them to hear and to not get distracted. And I speak life upon, I speak life into TJ as Rock was calling him. So if you go by TJ, we speak life. And I pray for anything that is hindering him or keeping him from submitting to you, Yahweh, that I just pray you break off anything that's keeping him to go forward and just to break off those strongholds in Yeshua's name. I pray that that open up the windows of heaven and for your light upon him, that constant communication as we've been speaking about the last week or about, about a week now that Yeshua is our Savior and that communication line is open. I pray that in Yeshua's name. So I thank you, Yahweh, that you can bring him into the Mishkapah, that he can see where he stands and look into where he wants his feet. Does he want them both in you? Or does he still want to play, play around in one mud puddle and one living waters? So we pray for the feet as I was listening to that worship last week. Well, you keep the you make the crooked paths straight. So I pray that you make the crooked path straight in Tim's life and that he can walk in your your Hanan, your favor, your your love as um Rock was speaking about this morning. So we declare your Ahaba and your Shalom. Amen. So I know that I've had a a rough many years and Yes, he was recently, like, I wasn't really sure exactly what the sex ring was about. I was not involved in any type of thing. I was just, I went there to try to get help to get my stuff out of my apartment, and then I just kept on getting high. But then what happened was I had had to leave that house, and then this guy brought me to this other apartment. And then I had a really strange feeling when I got there, and there was random backpacks around that apartment. And then the guy that had brought me over there. He had taken off in my car. He didn't even tell me he was leaving, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't get his number, and I kept asking the other guy that was there to call him. He kept on ignoring my request to call the guy, see where he was. And then this strange lady was there, too. And then she was making these really awful, strange groaning noises. And then they were in the back bedroom, and I went there to go ask him to call him again, and they were both, like, nodding out and whatever, and... Yeah, I had tried, I'd gone try to get some more, because the other meth I had was, they kept putting fentanyl on that stuff, so I tried to get some different stuff, and then I cook it down, and it became an orange substance, so I didn't even want anything to do with it, so I didn't even take what they had given me. But um, anyways, I just got a really sick, strange feeling in my stomach, 
when they were saying something about he's like, well, come check her out, and then and then she said I could help myself to food in the fridge, and I was going to look in the fridge, and I just got a really strange feeling, so I went back to the bedroom and I was, and I just grabbed my stuff, and you know I just it worked had me get out of there right away. So I just left. And then I was standing downstairs by the doorway, and then there was a baseball bat, but it was an apartment building. So I just held on to the bat, and then I was... Then it was strange, because they must have data blockers, because I couldn't get on the Internet either. And then I just... Um, I couldn't really get a hold of, the, hold of anyone, because it's middle of the night. And then I just... I went with this one guy, and he was a crackhead, and we ended up in a storage place downstairs somewhere and then the next morning we had taken a nap and then the next morning I went with them in Subway we went to the Subway station or Subway sandwich place and then I ended up sending my sister and my brother-in-law my location and they called the cops and I went and got my car and then that's when I had enough and that was the last time I used that morning at Subway I think it was well I used meth at least I saw it some pot but um then I went to my ex-husband's work, and I gave him my the rest of my drugs, and I um I told him I was done because I could have been a victim. I don't know, but I got out of there just in time. But um, there was bad places, and you know, it's like I don't never knew where my bottom is because. If I was on my bottom, it'd probably be in a grave somewhere. So I can't even count how many bottoms that I could have had, or well, I probably did have in the past. When I used to be a, a pill a pill addict, when I was in my young twenties, um, there's been maybe between two and two to four times where I had overdoses. My mom said she came home from work. I was laying on the kitchen floor. I used to take those things called somas, and I was using Percocets at the time. So I was taking a handful of somas. I don't know if you know know what those are. Those are like a muscle relaxer, and I feel drunk, and then I black out. And then mixing with other stuff is dangerous, too. So I pass out. And then um, there's been times where there was overdoses that were that I wanted to end my life. So there's been some pretty lows in my life. Those were in in my 20s, but um, there's been times where I went through rehabs. I went through three or four different inpatient rehabs and then a couple of outpatient. So I've been trying this recovery thing for pretty much um, 10 years or so, where I was committed for a year or two. I'd do good for five, six months, maybe a year at the most, then I'd end up falling short and having a slip or going back out and using for a couple of months. It could be a one-time, two-time thing, or I could go and my insanity and use for a whole summer, which has happened throughout the years with crack cocaine and heroin and all sorts of stuff. So it was never, I never had long-term sobriety. The longest was about a year. And so for me to know where I want to stand in my recovery is to... I had to look to my Heavenly Father and to his um, son, Yeshua. And for me to get to those places was spinning, as Mark was pretty much going over what I was going to talk about. As um, to, I, was, I had to um, 
come to a place where I can realize where I don't want to be in my bottom because my bottom is going to be in the ground. That's pretty much where I would end up if I kept going, especially with all the stuff they're putting in drugs nowadays. And I mean, I didn't watch the whole entire video because it was quite long, but it's on one of my Facebook pages. And he was sharing about the uh, the rising of deaths in, um, in addiction and talking about fentanyl and you know, next thing you know, they might be putting it in marijuana. So it's like, you don't even want to try marijuana. That's sad. When I got to, I got rid of that, my last bit of pot I had, I threw it away before I got to Scribe's house. And then I was, um, when I got there, I was on something called clonidine, and I also had some um, gabapentin, and I think some, some Benadryl, which I use for either sleep once in a while. I used to take like Advil or Tylenol PM off and on so I could sleep at night. So I struggled with sleep since I was a baby, pretty much, my mom said. But I know that um, over time, I just never had the... I would go... This was in the past when I used to go to the Middleton House of Worship. This was when my mom was still alive back before, this was before 2014, because she had passed away June 2014, and she had passed away from cancer, and she had um, an alcohol problem, at least every other week, I mean, every other day, three, four times a week, she would be drinking at least a 12-pack at the minimum, and that's just one 12-pack, sometimes she would drink two in a night, there was times where she would drink two 12-packs and then go out to the bar, and so, and then she would think she could drive, so she ended up with five DUIs over time. So if you're a drinker, then if you want to end up where she is, then keep on drinking. But um, she was also a cigarette smoker, too. I had quit cigarettes. It's been two years now. Off of cigarettes and off of um, Suboxone. But where I was um, at that time when Rock was sharing his messages at the house of worship, he had, I had gotten off pharmacia at that time as well. But then eventually I got back onto it over the years. I think was it pretty much when I got off of heroin. But I had um, taken ranitidine, which is another pharmaceutical or over-the-counter antacid for like 10 years. Or so it's taken over-the-counter prescription, or it could be a prescription or over-the-counter for so long. So I've damaged my body thinking that I needed these antacids. And eventually I found out that when I stopped using those antacids over the winter, I used switched to these enzymes, but I stopped using the enzymes because they were a Walmart brand. So that's another thing that me and Rock and Stan could talk about, taking the right kind of enzymes for my stomach. But um, I stopped taking antacids, and I don't worry about acid reflux anymore. I just watch what I eat. So that has to do with focusing on your health as well as, when you get sober, and then when I, so going back to the pharmacia, so I got rid of pharmacia in the past, but then I went back on it throughout the years, and then I was, I gotten off a bit, so Suboxone took me about, I was on it for about three years, I tapered, but the last year I was on it, and I was down to two milligrams, and then I was running late for an appointment, because this is right when COVID started, my Suboxone doctor ended up with the coronavirus, so she wasn't even there. So I was supposed to meet with her first for the half hour, and then my second hour was um, counseling. So I was 
It's like, well, they don't even need to really see me much if she's not there. So I was, plus my car had problems anyway. So I probably wouldn't have made it there anyway. So it's a good thing that I didn't go. So I decided just to detox at home. And then I got in some um, gabapentin from a friend. So that's when I started taking that stuff regularly. So that made, made it made it more of a mess for my, um. so I went from Suboxone to gabapentin. So I got off the two milligrams, but it took me like a year like I mean, it took me like about two months, a month, a good month to recover, and like, even though it is, we have a, a one of our um, past um, former transformers. Her name's Brittany, and I she did have some good understanding. I tell me, I, oh, you shouldn't be on Suboxone. It's worse to get off it than other drugs. But I, I didn't listen to her counsel, her wise counsel at that time because I I just didn't want to go back on the street drugs. So. There is there is always wisdom in some people, and I know that Rox had his ins and outs with her, but we still love her, and, and we pray for her in Yeshua's name. So there is people that Yahweh can appoint to you to send you good messages. And so I know that there's been times where I didn't want to listen to people, and I should have. So I was on that medication, and then it took me a good year for me to... I'm still having memory issues, so... But, um... And then when... But I'm glad to be off of that medicine. And then when I got to Skype's house, I gave up my clonidine. And we flushed the gabapentin right away because I had been off of it. But I had just taken it because I was trying to sleep pretty much through that first week of getting off of meth. So it was a hot mess. But um, and that I think that's what happened is it I was it had it can cause hair thinning and all sorts of other problems. So and I was I would pretty much take my whole daily dose in one dose. So I, I trying to get buzzed off of it or whatever or feeling drowsy. I don't know. I didn't, at first I liked it, but then I decided I didn't, after a while I didn't like how I felt. But there was times where, um, so yeah, I was glad that I was able to get off of the all of the medications now. But when I was using, I got to the, when I was hanging out with someone named Cody, and I don't want to get into his information right now, but Rack knows of Cody Peterson and he had um, syringes in his backpack, and I decided to go and take some one day, and I started shooting meth, and then um, I liked it. So there was times where I was getting ready to do it, and then I would hear Yahweh, or I hear a voice saying, don't do it, and I would still not listen. So there was times where I was in the middle of wanting to use, or getting ready, and I wasn't listening to Yahweh. So he knew I didn't need to be doing that drug, and it just made my brain go all haywire. And that that was not helping in my renewing of my mind because I was doing the opposite. So that's why the nine o'clock calls are important because we go through the steps, and that's is it Romans twelve two, I think it is about the renewing of your mind. So I was coming off of meth, and then I was about a few weeks, I'd say about three weeks off of it before I got to Scribe's house, so I was I was still in my mind, it was like um, what do you call it, a hamster wheel, that's where my mind was before I came to Scribe's house, and, that, and I would drive myself nuts, and now I'm coming into this man's house that's never, I don't think he's ever had someone that came off of meth I don't know how many people he knows in recovery but so someone that's like on a hamster wheel in their mind and then coming to someone's house and he has 
all of a sudden I come into his presence. And so Yahweh had answered my prayer that I didn't know I was going to go because I had lost it. I had, an, I went through a divorce and um, it was finalized the end of February, but we had separated in August and I moved in the end of um, September. So my apartment, I didn't really get anything of it. I just moved in because I needed a place that was under $900 that I could afford by myself. So I still had, I still was, I was able to make my rent, but then I ended up with the mold problem. It was in the air vents in the that goes to the roof in the whole apartment building. And then I was using, so I was all not in a good health in that place. So I'd gotten sick in December. Or Fe- no, November is when I started getting sick really bad and skin rashes and stuff. And I decided to leave my apartment. And it's a, it was stressful. So I went to my ex-husband's at the time. We were, we, were, we were still married, but we weren't together. He had a spare bedroom. And then we finally was able to get the mold test done. And then I couldn't think straight because I was using. So I, I couldn't get myself to get over there to move my stuff out of there. It's, it was just chaotic. So I, from using all the... And then my um, seasonal... I get into that seasonal funk. So all my problems with my seasonal effective thing and then my using and not able to think straight so I wasn't able to strategize in my mind on how I can organize to get my stuff out of my apartment because I was too focused on being selfish and wanted to use so that's where the selfishness comes in as I could have tried to save my stuff from my apartment but I I would have thrown away most of it anyways but I um, eventually they just had to um, throw it away department people so for my chaos and my using it's not the first time I lost everything in my life I mean my apartment stuff because I still have my life so but I had lost my apartment because of not being able to think clearly on how to go about with getting my stuff out of there properly and disposing of what needed to be disposed of and then because when I was at that house, before I went to the hotel, it was about a month before I went to Skype's house. So this was back in March. And then they were all getting high. And then I just didn't, I just didn't feel like going back to my apartment because my hands got red and I had a reaction. And I was too messed up to think. So we never made it there because I didn't want to deal with it. So that's another problem I have, which is the P word, which Rock can help me overcome that, which is um, procrastination. And I, I'm very bad at it. Actually, I say I'm very good at it, but I am overcoming it. So that's another thing I'm learning is not to procrastinate because I could have had some of my stuff that I could have saved from there, but that's okay. Because I had to just, I'm, I mean, I'm not I'm not happy about it, but I'm, I'm thankful because I'm giving me a chance to trust Yahweh because he always restores things. So like, so I am um, learning that when I got to, scribe's house like this is right before i came to his house i was at a at a um I, she's one of my best friends but she's not with yeah she's not with yahweh but she's been my friend since middle or high school but she had um told me that i couldn't stay at her house any longer i think it was a week or two that i was there because you know she has her she has four boys and she's a busy mom so but um i was going to go to a 
shelter. I didn't know where else to go at the time. I was trying to figure out sober living, but I think the person that runs the the faith-based sober living, I think he wants maybe he wants you to have more clean time, and I don't know exactly what they have going on. So he probably wanted me to be more established before I went there. I'm not quite sure, but anyways, but I am thankful that I was able to reach out to some prayer partners and some um, elders for prayer. And as I was praying, Yahweh appointed scribe to let me come to his house. Wait. At the at the same day, I was going to go to mass and and I could have fell back into my sin because I probably would have reached out to those people in boredom, and then I could have been back in my own vomit again. I don't know, but I just had to surrender it to Yahweh because the same thing I did last year with my marriage, I had to surrender it to Him. I had to ask Him. I had to say, Yahweh, I don't know what to do. I pray that you help the situation because He knows that. My marriage was is not going to stay in him or with a good guy because my husband, my ex-husband. Excuse me about that, my ex-husband. I'm I am single and I'm Yeshua's bride now. I'm learning to become Yeshua's bride. That's another subject, but um, Yahweh knew that my ex-husband was not guiding me in any other way. So in our in our we were we're both stubborn people and we both are famous at procrastinating so that's part of our defects they collided with each other and that's where we fell short in our relationship because we didn't solve our our problems and it just made things hard to communicate and hard to agree on things and so I was selfish in the relationship as well trying to want to do things my way and then he was always working and he never had a consistent schedule I was always changing so it was a difficult. It was we we had our moments and we had our difficulties. So, and there was times where he would be yelling at me, and then Eva, my little one, would have to get between us and tell Dad to stop yelling at Mama. And I don't want to. I don't want her to have to go up in that stress. I don't want to be in be in that stress either. So, part of the reason is that my coping was using. So I ended up hanging out with Cody again. Was it last? Um, summer around I think June or July I don't know exactly what month it was and then that's when I started started using meth with him and then I was drinking here and there prior to that too so that's the promise when I used to drink and I would open up the door to me relapsing so I had a eventually I haven't drank in about a year now I think but um so so yeah, so hanging out with the person that I people that I used to hang out with, and I've known him about 18 years <clears throat> since he was 12 years old, so probably around 18, 20 years I think. Someone that you think is your best friend, obviously they're not, because he would just want to take advantage. He had a place to sleep and a place to go and get high and blah blah blah. So anyways, I had to tell him he I had to tell him he's no longer part of my life in a message. And I just cut off communication with him. That was in February of this year because he just wanted to keep on sinning and going to jail and sinning some more. And and he was he knew he grew up knowing who Yahweh or as they know him as God, but he turned against him and he's in the opposite and wearing shirts that are mocking Christ. So he was not a Yahweh friend. And um. So I was hanging out the, the, uh, at the opposite of the winners. So I was 
the people that you ha- that I hung out with is um, is crucial in my recovery because I don't want to hang out. I'm not going to be able to recover if I go back to those same people again. So I had to just stop talking to people that use, and that's a big part of learning in this recovery process is staying away from those people and blocking them, deleting them. You can change your number. I changed my number more than once for those reasons. But for me to get to the point of where I am now, um, so that day that I was at my friend's house, her name is Tiffany, when I was at Tiffany's house in the Dells, this was the end of March. I um, She said that she was going to take me to Madison. And then I looked on my phone that morning and I saw my messages and messenger and described to me I was coming to his house. So Yahweh had guided him and Rock and I to however he worked it out for me to go to Sheboygan. And yes, it was tough because it's like I didn't know what to expect, but I'd rather be somewhere that Yahweh wants me to go than being somewhere in Madison. So that's how I ended up to start the in-house transformed because Rock knew I wasn't ready to fully commit to it in February and I wasn't able to go to Arizona because he wasn't he was not prepared to run rehab at the time either. So we do that's why we do the phone lines. But to do in house recovery is you know, that's where Scribe was able to get get it going. And it was it was a very much of a um it was it was I wouldn't want to say challenged, but it was it was a new a new beginning for Scribe because he never had ran it rehab before. So it's definitely a learning experience for both of us. Because I've done rehabs before, but I never did it. And um, the word, the word, the word, was having, um, as we call it, Bible, the Kifay Kadesh book. So I've been to the worldly type of rehabs, and it's very sad because what happened when I was trying to find rehab in Madison or Dane County area, a lot of it is the minimum is at least four weeks of a waiting for a bed, and that. And then it goes to six, and some of them are eight. So someone that needs to get clean, and they can't stop. They can't. Let's say they can't get off of heroin because of the dope sickness, and they might be not able to do it. And then it just makes me sad because sometimes people end up overdosing and dying because of of the drug. So that's my my prayer is um, I pray every morning to, that they provide more rehabs and more resources for people that need help. Because I know I know how to put the drugs down. I could throw them away. I could give them to someone to throw away from me. It's just having that chance to understand the long term, and that's what I'm doing right now. Is as I for me to focus on it is I had to spend time with Yahweh and quiet time, and and I do the worship. I usually put YouTube on, and um, it's it's hard to find good Yahweh worship. But um, I, I've been able to find some pretty good worship. That is, um, so yeah. If you ever need help finding good worship, I can always send you some information and send you some links. I'm sure to songs. I I just type in um, you know, you can type in Yeshua worship or Hebrew worship or or um, worship music. So yeah, I like um, Shannon Moore. He's good. I like um. What is it? Miss, Misty Edwards, I think is her name. Missy Edwards, I don't remember exactly. It's, I think that's her name. And then um, 
there's some other ones that are they sing in Hebrew and in English, which is beautiful. So yeah, there's a lot of um, there's Eliana, and so there's a lot of good music you can find. And I think it's for me, I had to submit and surrender to Yahweh to knowing that I don't want to go back to that life I used to live in. To my old, there's a song that I don't want to go back to my old life, which is from Kim Walker. She sings that song. But I don't want to go back to my old life or something like that. So I had to spend time and even if it's once to twice a week fasting, you can say, so yeah, sometimes I don't make it 24 hours. I do about a half a day to a full day. And sometimes I'll just, um, sometimes I'll just do like a drink, which is a fruit drink or something. There's different ways of fasting. It's okay, but it's just a bug. But anyways, Yahweh knows um, where your heart is, and that's another thing is that they call it circumcision. And I used to think of circumcision as a surgery, but there's circumcision of of the heart. And if you don't understand that, then that's my prayer for Yahweh to reveal to you. I'm talking right now. Just shut the door, please. The bugs will, will stay outside better that way. So Yahweh is it's a process of you letting Yahweh into your heart, and I'm sure that you've accepted Yeshua into your heart. And um, if that's something that you want to do, if you haven't really submitted, I'm sure if you've accepted Yeshua as your Savior, it's always good to recommit yourself to Him. So that's probably where you'd want to start, is just um, to, to committing to Him. And that's to spend time in the in the worship and quiet time with your, by yourself, and and meditating, and then allowing him to speak to you. That's how I was able to get there was letting him speak to me, and and that's when he was giving me poems, and I started writing them there. It's in a notebook at Scribe's house. Otherwise, I'd read some to you. I'm busy right now. Give me five more minutes, please. Sorry, my little one is looking up at bugs. She's being really good today, so hallelujah. But um, Yahweh knows where I I stand with Him, and I'm just starting to learn about my identity in Him, and where I exist, and how I, how I am in my relationship with Him. Like the other the other morning, when mid afternoon, mid morning, when we got to the campsite, well, me and Scribe got there. Scribe was taking a rest in the car, and I sat at the picnic table, trying to get into the um, praising and um, meditation and Satan's trying to feed me lies making me think that I'm not worthy of praising Yahweh so he sneaks in at the most inopportune moments in the strangest ways so that's where you have to learn is to um, see yourself in Yahweh and pray about it um, TJ that you, know, you can ask Yahweh is, um, those questions that you want to so anything that you want to know about, you just bring it to him, and he can help you and help you understand where this, how to strategize your warfare, because that's learning on how to combat those those enemies, and also getting a good um, prayer team that could pray for you if, if you need deliverance, and that's something you talk to Rock about, I'm sure. Inscribe whoever lives closest to you to have some. Um, elders that can work with you and pray with you. It's also a process on your own. 
you have to do it in your alone time too. You have a prayer closet because we can't always sit there and hold your hand. That's one thing is, well, I can't come with me every five minutes and hold my hand and say, "Come on, Russell, let's go pray." And was it the other? Was it yesterday morning or the other morning? I was telling Sands that the scribe wasn't there to knock on the door to wake me up, so I was able to get up with my 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 alarms. So that's one thing is, I'm thankful that. I'd be upset sometimes that Scribe was knocking on the door, but that's because I wanted to keep snoozing. But at those times that he was doing it, because he knows it's important for my recovery to get up and moving. So that's one thing we have to commit to our... That's one thing that Rock was talking about, or Scribe, about committing. We have to commit to our to our Yahweh. So if, as much effort as we put into our drug use or our, our lusting and sinning and sexual relations, whatever you were doing in the past, you have to put that on at the foot of the cross or at the foot of the tree, I should say, at Yeshua's feet. Lay it at the foot and just surrender to him and know that he'll, he'll take it from you. You just have to be willing, willing to let him, to let him take it. So surrendering and submitting to him and to ask him to open up the door and to shut all the doors to the enemy. And that's how I was able to overcome and learning to trust in him. Learning to trust is to have faith. And to have faith is, is if, was it one of our sisters, Michelle, was telling me, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, and the mustard seed is smaller than your pinky nail. If you have any any amount of faith, then you can grow in Yahweh. Just keep that faith and that you are free in Him, and that submitting and surrendering. And I know that I don't want to go back to that where I was in February. So just having that time with Him and. So yeah, so Rock's gonna be able to hold my hand the next few months, but he's not gonna come hold my hand for the next ten years. So we, so the time that my elders right now are investing in me is crucial. And was it February? I think it was Rock when I was honest with him that morning, because he had asked me if I'd used that day or if I was clean. And in my flesh, I'm like, well, I can just say, oh no, I'm clean today. But what's that gonna do for me? It's not gonna get me anywhere. So I was honest. And I said that I had used that morning, and so Rock's not going to be ready, like he was saying earlier. He's not going to help you and be ready for you until you're really ready. So I know I wasn't, I mean, in, in my mind I thought I was ready, but in my flesh, in my indulging in the drugs, I was not fully ready yet because I wasn't ready to put the drugs down. And I had to come to that place in my life to where I didn't want to keep living that way. And if, when you when you know you're ready is when you know you'll be is when you know it because Yahweh will be speaking to you through your messes. And when you hear His voice saying "Don't do that," or when you when you can feel that conviction, or however He speaks to you, and when He when you can find yourself at your lowest in your pity parties, and you know you don't want to be in that that pit, that Yahweh or Yeshua. I should say, Yeshua will always have his hand waiting for you. But it's when you're ready to take his hand and he'll guide you. And I'll pass with that.
praise Yah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been a great 
morning. That was fantastic, Marissa. Very transparent, very honest. We appreciate you opening up and laying out your heart. And uh, we're basically going to see if Jennifer wanted to say hi this morning. I'm going to unmute her. Uh, She just would have started and opened up the store down in Oklahoma City. Uh, I think they open at 10 Central Time. Are you there, Jennifer? Okay. Well, I guess she's not there now because when I clicked on her name, then uh, she was gone. So she probably has a customer because they really got it going on down there at Roger's Mattress Place. So I'm going to go ahead and open it up for uh, TJ to be able to uh, vocalize where he's at. And I don't know how you can put the question out there like you're confused. You don't know why you do it. Uh, we're, we're showing you very clearly, you know, what would possess you to do the things you do? Who would possess you to do the things you do? I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's because you're possessed. TJ. I mean, that's the answer that there is. There's no confusion here at all. Yahweh's not the author of confusion. You break the law and become a lawless person because you don't respect Yahweh. You don't love Yahweh. You love sin. You love Satan. And it's not really love. You lust after your own foolish lusts. And you get yourself in trouble. You're the one that puts yourself in jail. Nobody else is putting you in jail. So you, you don't have to be in a mystery place of, well, why am I going to jail? Well, it's, it's obvious. You're going to jail because you're, you're a sinner. You're breaking law. You can't break the law. You can't cut a bracelet off when a judge orders that you have to have a bracelet on because you've been a flight risk. A flight risk means that you take off when the law says you're supposed to stay somewhere. You left Illinois when the Illinois people had you under their jurisdiction, you left, you fled. That makes you a flight risk. So when you did finally get arrested in Wisconsin, the judge put a bracelet on you so you can't run away. So then what do you do? You go ahead and cut the bracelet off, run to a marathon, and and get some meth so that you can get stoned? You broke the law, man. Meth is illegal. Cutting the bracelet off, that's illegal. You are where you are because of the choices you made in your life because you've been possessed by an evil force that wants to destroy your life and you've been foolish enough to listen to the evil voice rather than the voice of truth of Yahweh that's speaking right through me right now. I mean, it's real simple. You know, well, What do I need to do? You need to stop sinning and start winning. That's what our literature tells you. That's why I wrote it. That's why I put the literature out there so simply. Stop sinning. That's what you need to do. So if you're wondering, what do I need to do? What do I? The big, the first part of the first Kitve Kadesh step one is stop sinning. Yeshua said to them when Yeshua came two thousand years ago, "Go and sin no more." Hello. Pretty simple instructions. Follow the instructions. Now, it's 10.16. I'm supposed to be working already. We're already running late. I didn't want to do a marathon this morning. 
But because you were on and you were typing all that stuff, I thought, well, I'll let Marissa share her testimony. And instead of doing a 27-minute praise and worship, we did an hour praise and worship to start the broadcast today. So I'm going to let you speak, but don't speak with this mystery of why you are a felon. You're a felon because you made choices that were bad choices. And if you don't know why you do those choices, it's real simple. You're possessed by an evil spirit, a bunch of them. They're probably having a party inside you. You need to get those evil spirits out of you. It's that simple. So I'm going to unmute you. And I'm going to let you talk, but don't bring garbage into this line that you don't know why, because everybody knows why. And so do you deep down inside, but the enemy is trying to confuse you because he's the author of confusion. Hello. Can you guys can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. All right, awesome, because sometimes my phone breaks up. Um, so I'm going to say it again. Make this quick, because I was supposed yeah. to have, be off of this broadcast over an hour ago already. This is not supposed to go from 6.37 till 10.37. It's supposed to go from 6.37 till 8.37. So we're two hours over, and you were not on time, which is another one of your biggest problems. What possesses you to sleep in? You think you have the ability to sleep in? I don't have the ability to sleep in. Why are you under a different plan than I am? You're not. You're supposed to be working your butt off, and you're not working. You're lazing around, and you've got to cast that evil spirit of laziness off of you and get your butt moving. Start working. And don't tell me you can't find a job. There's jobs out there. So get your butt out there and get a job today. You need to work. I know i got to get a job and work. Um, I know I gotta stop doing stupid things. I am my worst enemy. I realize that, but I I'm also waiting for like I said I'm also waiting for an inpatient um, treatment place because okay. It, but you said but you said but, but. what I'm gonna tell you is get your butt out of your way. I, get your butts out of the way. You gotta stop putting butt in there. There is no butt. You're at rock bottom. You've been at rock bottom. As soon as I met you, you were already at rock bottom. And then I found out you were running from the law on top of it. And you lied to all of us in this ministry and played a game with all of us for quite some time in the beginning. And I forgave you for all of that. I'm not holding it against you, but I need to remind you sometimes that I know TJ, better than TJ knows himself. I'm not at this point. When you come on this line and you put those chats, when you put those things in a chat, acting as if you're clueless as to why, well, I just told you a bunch of laws that you've broken. And then on top of that, you didn't only break the laws with the laws of the land of the United States of America. You broke you broke the laws with your brothers and sisters in this congregation as well. Hey, that computer thing was on all night. We shouldn't have done that. I'm, yeah, I'm going to shut it off tonight. It's court order. Clear everything out and good. My parole agent is trying to get me into an inpatient rehab because it's court order. I'm on an agreement where I had to sign a contract that I would not get in any trouble 
So I'm on a contract too um, that I can't get in any trouble. I can't do anything. I'm going to be drug tested constantly because of my use of me, you know, slipping back and doing drugs because when I'm around people that I think are good, you know, and they're like, oh, let's let's do this. I was like, eh, all right, fine, let's, you know, no problem. And then when I'm by myself, it just amps up and gets worse because I'm in, too, I'm in my head too much. And then I take it to the level of, like, I got to leave. I got to go somewhere the fuck else because it's not safe for me out. And, you know, that's how I feel. And... You know, I've, I've been realizing this now, you know, this last time that I came out of jail. I was in there for 27 days, sanctioned, PO hold, um, and it's just like, they put me in a, in a freaking cell with somebody who was like, mentally retarded because dude's punching walls, kicking walls, and like, I even felt uncomfortable. I'm like 41 years old. And they put me in the cell with this 19-year-old kid. I'm thinking, like, why? What did I do to deserve being in a, in a cell with this idiot who punches walls, kicks, and then tries to say what what goes on in a, in a room? And I'm like, all right, let me just stay stay to myself, lay in, the, in my portion of my little rat hole. As that's what I will call it now. And sleep. And so now I'm trying to get back everything I lost. Yeah, I had a good job at Perkins Restaurants out here in Wisconsin Rapids. But because of my stupidity, and I cut off my bracelet, lost that. So a little bit of stuff I do have is not very much, but I still have it. And it's Well, you like, deserve to be you deserve to be there, number one with the crazy person because you've been a crazy person and they put crazy people together in jail cells. So don't act as though you're better than that person because you ain't. You're just as crazy as he is. Just because his way that he... Listen to me. Don't interrupt. Just because his acting out was kicking walls and punching walls and stuff and your acting out was cutting off the bracelet... Both are insane behaviors. That's the whole premise of Kitvik Kadesh 2. Step 2 is about getting rid of the insanity, getting rid of Satan. He's the insanity, the chaos, the confusion, getting him out of your life and putting Yahweh in your life. That's what Step 2 is all about. You've got to get rid of the bad guy and put in the good guy. And you've never done it. You've always left the bad guy hang around. And that's the problem that people do is they don't completely sell out or commit. That's what I said in the beginning. So nobody feels sorry for you that you got put in that jail cell. You put yourself in that jail cell and you are just as crazy as that guy is. Cause to cut off a bracelet is one of the stupidest things you could ever do. And you're really actually fortunate that they're being as nice to you about it as they are because they could have sent you back to prison, and they didn't. 
you're sticking around in a, in a little county jail and they only keep you for about 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 days. And then they let you back out again so that we can have a crazy person living in our society. You know, people can't be around you because of the court order. You can't be around certain people because you have done crazy things. I mean, you said, oh, I would have liked to come there to the campsite. You couldn't have came to that campsite. There were children at that campsite. You couldn't have came. You can't come to Life Fest. Why? Because there's going to be children at that Life Fest. Your whole life is totally effed up because of your sin. And the law is going to try to protect children from being around you and people from being around you because of that sin. And you're going to have to suck it up, buttercup, and realize that you're going to have to have a really good plan of action and, and not sit and point fingers at everybody else in your situation. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. Yeah, you pointed fingers at the crazy guy. You actually called the guy retarded, which I don't even like that word being used on our line. Okay. Well, we stopped okay. using that word. Okay, well, I do apologize. But... So, like, yeah, I'm trying to get everything in order. I'm trying to... Well, quit trying and start doing it. Quit trying. Quit trying. Stop trying. Trying is dying. You got to do it, CJ. TJ, you got to do it, not try. To try is to die. You're going to die trying. But if you do it, you're going to get your way out of this. The scripture says you're to be a doer of the word. And I know I'm being tough on you, but you deserve it. You need it. Yeah, you, yeah, I know I need it. That's why I'm not really. So, you know, I'm going to feel like I totally wasted, I'm going to feel like I totally wasted my time if I don't see you on this line every morning, early in the morning and every night, late at night. You need to be on at 6.37 in the morning. Get your butt out of bed and get on this line and listen and have a notebook in front of you and take notes and write down things that we say. And then get back on at 9.07 at night and take notes and write down so that you remember. One thing I did not say, and I don't know how to word it on here, is with all that stuff that I said... Is like, yeah, I also tried to, you know, I also tried to kill myself that same night. For some reason, I'm still here. I believe it. Because to me, to to go back and use right now, I would rather die than be an addict using. I would, I would be completely devastated if I failed and couldn't beat that little pill or that little cocaine in that pipe or that little piece of paper called LSD. If if I went back and, and smoked the joint, I would feel like the biggest failure. I'd rather die than have that feeling of relapse again. Because to go back out and to fail, I remember how that felt, and I never want to go back there again. I'd rather die. So I totally get it, dude. I get it. So stop hurting yourself. Stop being your worst enemy. That's the point. 
So I'll expect to see you on this line every morning and every night. And if I don't see you on the line, then I know you're not ready yet. Then I know that you want more misery in your life because you're not looking for the way out. You're looking for the easier, softer way. And even in Alcoholics Anonymous, it tells you the easier, softer way doesn't work. And that's what you're always looking for. You think this is going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. And if you do it without Yahweh, it's impossible. It'll never happen. I so quit trying to do it in and of yourself. Do it in him. When I was in jail, I also got anger management tips and stuff like that because they did have a class that I did take advantage of going into, which was a trauma class, and um, they were giving out all kinds of tips and paper, you know, that was on paper and stuff to where I have them to where I can read and pin, and, and pin, try to pinpoint things. So, I mean, I do have some some stuff with me right now that I can use and I can apply, but it, it's the thing of me. Like, if you would have been getting on the line every day, morning and night, consistently, like I told you to in the first place, you would have not relapsed and you would not be having to go to another program. In fact, you'd be on your road to getting off of probation and out of the system. Well, I got one year left, so I got well, it's amazing that they're not revoking your your probation and sending you to prison. It's amazing. Yeah. You you really need to thank Yahweh that he has a Yah amazing Hanan on you because you don't really deserve it. And I mean, You really I, don't. I do have an awesome agent who I work with. I mean, so, so for a lot of it, I do have to give her things because... She sees potential in me, and she's like, you're, I see, you, you you got potential. She's like, you're not a bad person. She's like, you really do stupid things, but you're not a bad person. So if somebody recognizes I got potential, yeah, that's nice to hear, but it's like, how do I recognize it for myself when I'm alone and I'm in my head and I'm not around anybody? That is the heart. That is what... I struggle with every day and night. There's a couple of nights this week where I just was up all night and I don't want to sound like I'm, I don't know, I cried. Yeah, I cried. But I don't, I'm not ashamed of saying I cried because my family even says, you know, why do you, why do you do, do you want to keep going back? Back to jail, and I had to explain to my uncle. I was like, no, I don't. He's like, then stop doing stupid stuff. I'm like, I understand. So that's where I'm at. And I well, do appreciate you, Rob. All I can tell you is we got a very, very, very detailed instruction manual. You need to follow it. And you need to listen to the words of the songs that I play because they're very meaningful and they should become your favorite songs because they're going to speak to your soul if you just absorb what is being shared. So hallelujah. Thank you for opening up and thank you for being on today. I hope you're on tonight. If you're not, you'll all know that you're not serious and that you were just blowing smoke up our ass again today like you have in the past and wasting the time. So good luck. 
good luck. We'll be praying for you. We're not going to lose hope. We're going to keep praying. But right now you got me to the point, just like all your family, I don't really believe that you're serious. I think you're doing the same pattern that you've been doing, and I think you got your probation officer conned. You know, you're not a bad person. No, you are a bad person. You are. A bad person that makes bad choices. That's who you are. You've been a bad person. Okay, yeah. And you need to stop being you need to stop being a bad person and you need to learn how to be a good person because you're not a good person yet. Uh, yeah, I You're not a good friend to, you're not a good friend to me. You're not a good friend to me. You think I enjoy watching my friends suffer? That's not a good friend. You don't love me. You don't know how to love me as a friend. You say you love me, but I don't believe it. Because you don't show it. You don't prove it. Your actions don't speak loud enough for me to think that you know how to love me as a friend. So step it up. Quit being the bad man. Start being the good man. Learn to be in recovery the transformed way. This is unspoken. All of the guys went into prisons and did ministry for years after they got clean. And this is their song by Unspoken, My Recovery. Now I can see 
your truth in front of me. I am and always will be loved. You're my 